It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Blah, 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 blah. Whenever you're watching or listening, hope you're doing all right. Special shout-out uh, goes to our uh, Holyfield television viewers. Uh, fairly new, and uh, we're glad to be part of your day or evening or morning. Whenever you're uh, watching, we'd like to hear from you. Drop us an email, billy at talking. Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Let us know how we're doing. Also, don't forget to download our app. You can get it at Fight, that's F-I-T-E, fight.tv slash Billy C. Download the app and watch and listen to uh, our show on your handheld. That's it. Just go to fight.tv slash Billy C. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Don't forget, if you're heading north or south on I-95, you can uh, eat some of uh, Sal's delicious Italian cuisine. Uh, and it's less than a 15-minute detour out of your way. It's even faster if you run the red lights, but I don't suggest that. But uh, check out the website, Pizzeria, for uh, the address and all that happy stuff. And don't forget, if you're listening on WGIG in Brunswick, Georgia, and you haven't been to South, what the hell are you waiting for? Go down on Frederica and uh, sample his food and find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's, which I'm going to be doing in a couple of weeks. Just to feed my fat face. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. So check that out. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by Gawk Box. Hey, you want us to help you? You want to help us? Go sign up uh, for Gawk Box right now. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Gawk Box banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino and their next boxing event, which is Boxing Hall of Fame weekend, Friday, June 9th. Uh, I'm going to be there. I want you to be there, too. What a great card. Uh, visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the fight poster. And uh, let me know where you're sitting, and I'll come and see you uh, on uh, on June 9th. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage. The Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy right now while you're watching or listening to the show by going to uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you want to get a signed copy, don't worry about it. We'll hook you up. Just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. It's right there. Um, 
got a lot of stuff going on today. We got our blast from the past. Alex Papali will be joining us in about an hour uh, to talk about uh, uh, former world champion and boxing Hall of Famer Nicolino Loche. Uh, another uh, blast from the past request by you guys. And uh, don't forget, if you have a request, just email me, Billy at Tuckin Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. I say it all the time because there's a lot of yous out there that don't drop the G in talking, you know. So, um, Also, coming up in a little bit, we got uh, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner uh, Larry Hazard. He's scheduled to join us. Can't wait to uh, get his thoughts on that whole uh, Andre Durrell fiasco. And uh, also, our, our main topic today kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the week. Uh, Javonta Davis, in my opinion, put on a a stellar performance uh, last weekend in England. And a lot of it, you know, was overshadowed by, you know, the egotistical Floyd Mayweather Jr., and, you know, we talked prior uh, with, uh, about Javante Davis listening to Floyd, not his corner, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I, I can't help but think, you know, what exactly does Floyd bring to the table for Javante Davis? I mean, I mean, listen, putting Floyd's own accomplishments aside, and like I've said many, many times, there's only one Floyd Mayweather Jr., Floyd did it his way. He was extremely successful. He sits on a 49-0 and record right now. Uh, he sits on a, a, a piles and piles of cash, okay? Um, and uh, that's all fine and good. But what does he actually bring to the table f- for Javante Davis? He's a promoter, so, I mean, theoretically, he could bring some fights But that's it. I think he does more harm than good. All you got to do is look uh, at some of his other so-called protégés. Jay Leon Love uh, never amounted to what uh, we thought he would and still hasn't. Adrian Broner, uh, he's been in and out of jail more times than uh, Sal Rocky Senecola changes his socks. You know, and uh, uh, even when you look at uh, Bedo Jack, but oh, Jack, uh, Floyd abandoned him when he lost, and he's arguably uh, the best uh, fighter that Floyd has, aside from Davis. So uh, my thoughts are, what, what exactly can Floyd do for Javante Davis? Javante Davis has his own skill set. Floyd's not going to get in the ring and fight him for him. He doesn't even fight real fights himself. So why would he do that? Javante Davis is an exciting young fighter that uh, doesn't need Floyd Mayweather. He's proved himself that he can accomplish things and he's going to get offers and he does not need to split any money or any of the limelight with Floyd Mayweather. In my opinion, he needs to kick Floyd to the curb sooner than later, maybe even now. And speaking of now, uh, joining us uh, all the way from beautiful St. Simons Island, Georgia, he's a New Jersey Boxing Hall of Famer. Uh, He's a Guinness Book of World Record holder. He owns a chain of restaurants uh, you know, from here to from here to New York to St. Simons, and uh, he's a great guy, my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Bill. How are you today, buddy? Oh, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Sal, my like question that. today: yes, Javante Davis uh, looked yes. very good uh, in his fight against Leon Walsh last weekend, 
And, you know, a lot of talk uh, about Floyd Mayweather's connection and Floyd's going to do this and he's going to do that and Javante listens to Floyd and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I can understand him looking up to Floyd. I mean, I, most young fighters could look up to Floyd and should because of his own accomplishments. But like I've said many, many times, there's only one Floyd Mayweather. I personally think Javante Davis does not need anything Floyd can offer him. And uh, accept advice, and he certainly doesn't have to be under his banner to do that. And I think that uh, he should kick him to the curb. I, I want him to avoid some of the pitfalls that Adrian Broner fell in. What's your thoughts? You know, that's uh, that's a, a rocky road. I don't mean that with a pun, but uh, isn't that an ice cream? It's a. I like that. I'm gonna let's come up with that new flavor. Uh, Javante Davis, let me tell you, like I said last weekend, going into the fight weekend, uh, you know, he may be a little brash, he may be a little bit full of himself, but guess what? It sells, it works, and that's what he's got to do for himself. And let me tell you, when I saw the post-interview, post-fight interview, he came across very humble, very grateful, very appreciative. And, you know, his alignment with Floyd Mayweather possibly has helped him, uh, get the notoriety and attention that he's uh, he's gotten up to this point. And when I saw the Post interview, also including Floyd, Floyd, you know, when they went to uh, ask Floyd questions, which it was the media that did that, Floyd tried in his little diplomatic way, to his credit, to deflect that and say, this is not about me, this is all about Javante Davis night. I like that. Whether it was a ploy or whether it was enough, I thought that was very genuine in a sense that, all right, after the fact, it, it, it happened, they talked about Floyd, and then he said, hey, look, it, that's okay, but this is not my night. This is not your night, kid. What do you mean it's not my night? So they went back to Javante Davis. Going forward, well, does Floyd have to be around him all the time and, and everything else? I mean, if Floyd was an active fighter, and if Floyd could showcase Javante Davis and all his undercards and all that stuff, that would be big. That would be nice. It would be a great uh, uh, parlay for paydays and things like that. But that's not the case. And if Floyd does have a mega fight coming back to, aside from Conor McGregor, I would hope, that uh, he would probably have a, uh, Javante Davis as a, as a co-feature or as a uh, pre-fight. Pre um, I don't think it's a bad alignment. Uh I'm not that that upset that Floyd is in his corner on a lot of levels. Like I said, what goes through a fighter's mind, you know, if he feels he's aligned by a superstar, by someone that's giving him that notoriety or helping. Uh, and yes, you're right. In Floyd's mind, as long as he doesn't get upstaged by this 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 young fighter, he's good with it too. So this this relationship at up to this point has not hurt either fighter. And going forward, I think it's going to be on a let's keep our eyes on it and watch out what happens going forward. But I don't think it's, it's detrimental to him at this point. Uh, and I think it's helped him to some degree to get where he is. So uh, I, I would say let's look at it in a guarded situation and see what happens. That's my opinion. Well, um, I think that Javonta Davis's own skill set got him to where he is. And I think that he idolizes Floyd. And he's just trying to be, you know, part of the clique, you know. And uh, yeah. I, I don't think he needs Floyd at all. And, yeah, that, that comment you made about Floyd saying, yeah, it's Javante Davis, you know, he, he said it and then he went back to talking about himself. So, whatever. But 
Like, uh, and by the way, if you're watching or listening live, uh, I know there's a lot of different chat rooms uh, uh, available, but the one that we look at and respond to is up on BillyCBoxing.com, so come on over there. And uh, Coach K just made a, a comment. He says, Mayweather's already influencing Davis. Says Lomachenko will have to wait a long, long time to fight Davis. Now, this is my point, point, Sal. This is my point. point. Floyd Mayweather um, made a career and a successful one at a cherry-picking opponents. And what I mean by that, you know, because there's a lot of Floyd Mayweather fans that, that will throw accomplishments at you when you use the word cherry pick uh, you know like Carlos Baldomir was a, was a world champion that Floyd defeated but they leave out the part that he was the worst and the weakest uh, champion when Floyd chose to pick him uh, rather than take uh, the tougher uh, opponent uh, at that time and he ultimately won that fight and ended up with uh, with a title um, you know I, the, the thing is this I said it yesterday you know, when you think of great fighters, and I'm talking about all-time great, and I think, I honestly think Javante Davis has an opportunity and a chance to be a great fighter. I really do. I see I see the, the, the skill sets in this kid that could make him a great fighter. The thing is, is what really makes a great fighter great, in my opinion, is how long that fighter stands through the test of time. In other words, how long do people remember him and generations uh, after they fight discuss him, a la Muhammad Ali and, and Sugar Ray Robinson and, and Sugar Ray Leonard and Hagler and Hearns? I mean, we still talk about these fighters as if you know we wish that they could step in the ring and fight again. Floyd Mayweather, the only discussion about Floyd Mayweather that you can make is his record, which is a kind of a, a marketing ploy. And, and the fact that he's made oodles of money. You can't go back, at least for the last decade, and say, oh, look, remember the fight Floyd was in? Oh, my God, oh, he showed this, he showed that. Nah, he didn't. He fights safety first. He doesn't care about excitement. He cares about his wallet, which is all fine and good. And to do that to a kid like Davis and turn him into a fighter that, that could become just... A, a guy that, that made money and did nothing for the sport, in my opinion, as a boxing purist, I think that that's a mistake when Javonta Davis has an opportunity to be one of those great fighters, to be in memorable fights that people will talk about for years to come. Something that I honestly don't believe will happen with Floyd. I think in a very quick uh, way, after Floyd is in the Hall of Fame, People are going to forget him because his fights just were not memorable. Sal, real quick, I got a minute. What do you think? No, I think, well, I think you're right. I mean, here we are. We still talk comparatively to the great fights we saw, whether it was the, the uh, Verl Durant series of fights, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard series of fights, uh, Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearns, uh, all these great, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier. I mean, we could we could wrap them off like we were still watching it live today because they were so memorable, so impressionable. And there's not one fight uh, that does come to mind for me except for Pacquiao, and that unfortunately uh, wasn't the best memorable fight. That no, I that comes that comes to your mind. That comes to mind because it was so anticlimactic. Hold that thought, yes. Sal. We are going to take a short break and let's finish that discussion. We got some news on. Uh, uh, Terrence Crawford's next fight. All that stuff uh, is coming up uh, in about uh, two minutes. So uh, don't go nowhere. Billy 
We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. And uh, I'm here with uh, Sal Rocky uh, Senecola. And uh, Sal, just before we uh, went to break, uh, we were uh, discussing, you know, the Floyd Mayweather-Javonta uh, Davis connection. And uh, you were saying some positive things. And, and I just, uh, you know, again, I, I'm not trying to bash Floyd, although I, I do when I can. Um, I, you know, the truth of the matter is, I just think Javonta Davis has the talent to, to succeed on his own and make a name for himself, his own name. You know, I can't help but look at, um, you know, what happened to Adrian Broner, and he keeps continuing his spiral downward uh, uh, dive. And, uh, you know, uh, Floyd ab- abandoned Badeau Jack, and Badeau Jack actually turned into uh, probably, uh, aside from Davis, the best fighter in his stable. Jay Leon Love, he's still uh, doing nothing with. So, I, you know, as a fighter, Floyd was, w- was great, um, but as a promoter, not so much. He, he's, he's got the ego. He, he can't let go of that. You know, he's got to, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed, but in the fight with Davis, he kept walking in front of the, the camera. I mean, he was like a referee, for God's sakes. You know, he wanted that limelight, Sal. Uh, I don't know. I, if I'm uh, Javonta Davis, I kick him to the curb now. I know. Well, wherever you go, he go. Right, right. You <laughs> right. know, and, and that's the problem. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, and I'll stick to my uh, new material you can write for me tomorrow. Thank you. But anyway, uh, I understand. And I I look at what's gotten, uh, you know, Javante Davis where he is today. Yes, it is his skill set, his raw ability, and his innate ability to uh, to conquer his opponents thus far. I mean, he's a he's a very exciting fighter. I like him. I'm a fan of his. I think he's got a brilliant career ahead of him, and I'm sure he's going to be able to carve his own name uh, out of the history books if he does move along uh, carefully and takes care of himself outside the ring as well as inside the ring. So I think he's got a brilliant future ahead of him. Uh, His alignment with Floyd, like I said, has not hurt him up to this point, and I I think has maybe helped him to a degree uh, on a promotional angle and attention angle. Now, his future is really up to him but the bottom line is I don't necessarily feel that Floyd's uh, continued alignment with him uh, is all that detrimental now I do do regret to say that if what I, I read in the chat room with coach and I think coach is brilliant when he when he assesses I think all you guys in the chat room are are very knowledgeable and very good uh, but if, if coach is saying that uh, Floyd Mayweather is going to stave off the the potential fight with Lomachenko. I mean, that's a fight that I'd like to see within a year or so. And that would be a, maybe, maybe, maybe just a stellar, stellar performance, a stellar fight, and that could be really a mega, mega big uh, payday for both these uh, uh, guys. And I think it's something that we should uh, look forward to seeing. Well, wait. Well, they in the chat room they make uh, a couple other points that are all very good. First of all, 
um, Davis is a champion. So theoretically, he, he shouldn't be yeah. avoiding anyone. And this division is so chock full of talent. You know, is he willing to fight a guy like Leo Santa Cruz or Carl Frampton or even Gary Russell Jr. or Abner Mares or Scott Quigg or Lee Selby or Oscar Valdez? I mean, these are <laughs> all rich, quality, quality <laughs> fighters. And if he talent. if he follows the Floyd Mayweather blueprint, he's going to no. duck all of them. He's going to, you know, he's not going to fight any of them. He's going to pick some other obscure opponent and then uh, be pounding his chest saying he's great. If he fights all these guys and Floyd is influencing him to do so, then more power to Floyd. But, you know, then again, I say, well, you know, why aren't you telling him Flo Floyd is a do as I say, not as I do. Is he saying do as I say, not as I do and wants to help Davis, uh, you know, be a, a become a great fighter and fight the challenges that great fighters do? Or is he going to say, do as I did, and you'll have a lot of money like I do, duck all the quality fighters? That's what I'm afraid of, Sal. Well, you know, and those are the two sides that we're going to have to see what pans out. Because, hey, guess what? Maybe Floyd Mayweather, maybe, could live vicariously through him. Like, say, well, you know what? Even though I wouldn't take that kind of chance or risk. <laughs> guess what, kid? I think you're going you're gonna to fight Lomachenko. I think you're going to fight this. And, and, you know, just say, hey, this is the path. Maybe, am I humble enough to say this? Uh, not me, but if I was Floyd. Uh, I might not have wanted that route, but you know what? Hey, it's not me. I'm going to put this kid in the ring with the Lomachenko. Or I use Lomachenko, but I'm just saying somebody that 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 level of skill set and and, uh, and accomplishments. So we don't know. And, and that's going to have to wait to see what the future pans out for this guy in the next, next six months, six months to a year. We should revisit this converse, conversation and see where we are from t today, from six months uh, from now to a year. Now let's let's revisit this on well, a periodical basis. It's going to be interesting to see how it develops, and uh, uh, hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, I'm wrong. You know, well, uh, I I I really truly hope that I'm wrong, and that Floyd uh, um, cultivates uh, uh, Davis. And and let's not forget. Like they just said in the chat room, he's already a champion. So my own rules are simply this: you know, you're a champion. That means you fight everybody. You you don't. You, let's not hear that he's still developing. But uh, speaking no. of developing, some developing news. Uh, we were talking about Terence Crawford and his possible next opponent. Terence Crawford says he might want to move up in weight. Uh, he might want to uh, you know go after a guy like Keith Thurman, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of us felt that the, the, the most logical thing for him to do would be to fight um, Indigo. Uh, as far as uh, Julius Indigo is concerned, he's undefeated 22-11. Uh, he, too, has two of the belts in the junior welterweight division, like Terrence Crawford. And um, apparently, and, and by the way, since the four-belt era uh, basically has been in effect uh, since yeah. the 1980s, the late 1980s, um, uh, only all four belts have been in uh, on the line in one fight three times. Bernard Hopkins, when he beat Oscar De La Hoya, he unified all of the middleweight titles. Um, Hopkins defended uh, those four uh, titles against uh, Howard Eastman, and uh, he uh, lost all four to Jermaine Taylor. By the time uh, Taylor had uh, uh, fought Hopkins in a rematch, rematch, one of those belts was stripped. So that was it. So really, the only guy to have the uh, four titles at once since the late 80s was B-Hop. 
so, you know, uh, nobody else has done it in any weight division. So it would be a big accomplishment. Um, Bob Arum, uh, he said a bunch of things yesterday, Sally. He says, uh, Indigo wants to fight, and we want to make the fight. He said that he wasn't sure where the fight would be located, but he feels that Crawford's hometown in Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, is a possibility, just what I was saying the other day. He says, uh, I want to make the fight and get it done first. Then we'll figure out where it's going to be. But uh, we're looking at this fight to take place by the end of July or the beginning of wow. August. Um, he said the chances are very good. You know, when they asked him if they, he thought it was going to be on uh, HBO or, or, or pay-per-view or something like that, he kind of went off. Um, you know, he said uh, uh, the fight's going to happen this summer. If we can get the fight uh, to unify against Indigo, that's great. But he's going to fight either way this summer. Um, he said, uh, uh, you know, when they said, asked him about if it's going to be on HBO, blah, 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 he says, that's none of your effing business. What the F are you talking about? HBO has done great for boxing. They've been good to boxing. I got nothing bad to say about HBO, but they're just an effing network. That's all they are. They don't own the business of boxing. And he says, and you may want to call up the guy over at Showtime, referring to Steven Espinosa, and tell him the same thing. He don't own boxing. He's just an effing network that puts stuff on for their subscribers. A little testy, Bob Aram being. Is that, is that and, Uncle and, Bob talking and, like and, that? And the reason is because some of these networks are, you know, they they they, they feel they're driving the bus, saying, "Hey, you got to fight at this day and that place and everything else." And Bob Aram is saying, "No man, no way." And I agree with Bob. What do you think? I agree with Bob on that level too. You know, we shouldn't have the networks drive the fights and everything else because. You know, I think uh, I think Aaron should stick to his guns there, and uh, I agree with him. Um, you know what I think too, Bill? I, I think we have room for one more belt, and this should be the super unification four belt title holder belt, something like that. I don't yeah. think so. Okay. But I tell you what, let me get everybody caught. We're going to be taking a break here in a minute, and we're going to be uh, getting uh, Larry Hazard on, and uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to go fill your 55-gallon jug of coffee. Um, but uh, let me get everyone caught up with some other sports scores right now. In the NBA Finals, or in the series leading up to the final, the Warriors are already waiting for the winner of the series between the Cavaliers and the Celtics last night. Um, the Cavaliers took a three to one series lead over the Celtics by beating them one twelve to ninety nine. Over in the NHL, uh, the Senators tied the series with the Penguins, forcing a game seven. The series is tied now at three games apiece. There will be a game seven. They beat the Penguins yesterday two to one. So uh, we will see a seventh game uh, over uh, in that one. Um, now, as far as baseball, the Cubs beat the Giants four to one. The Twins shut out the Orioles two to nothing. The Royals beat your Yankees six to two. The Nationals beat the uh, Mariners ten to one. The Rockies over the Phillies eight to two. Red Sox uh, beat the Rangers eleven to six. The Indians uh, over the Reds eight to seven. The Angels over the Rays four to nothing. The Braves, the coming, uh, the resurgent Braves are a couple of games yes, below five hundred right now. Uh, they beat the Pirates six to five. The Blue Jays four to three over the Brewers. The Astros they can continue to win six to two over the Tigers. The Diamondbacks uh, beat the White Sox five to four. It took the Dodgers thirteen innings to beat the Cardinals two to one. The Marlins beat the A's eleven to nine. And my Mets finally got a win. 
despite a really shaky performance by Matt Harvey. Uh, the Bats did it for the Mets yesterday, all in the first inning, most of it. Anyway, they beat the Padres 9-3, to so uh, who knows what's going to happen there. But, uh, Sal, uh, we're going to uh, take a short break, my man, and uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to have uh, we're scheduled to have Larry Hazard join us. Then we're going to do our blasts from the past, and then you'll be all coffeeed and and uh, caffeined up, yeah. And we'll get you back on. So uh, uh, don't go yeah. anywhere, brother. We will uh, we will be back uh, uh, to see you uh, in a few. All right. You got it, buddy. Thank you. All right. We'll see you in a bit. That's uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. We'll be back uh, in two. Billy C will be right back. Have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway and you'll also receive free shipping. Do you have troubled skin? Acne? Well, we have great news. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal and you can help prevent new breakouts from happening. Don't miss this limited time offer. Give us a call at 800-567-0214 because we're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. You heard it. This offer won't last long. So call Proactive Plus now and you'll receive a 60-day risk-free trial of Proactive Plus, two free extras, and free shipping. Call 800-567-0214. This is our exclusive radio offer, never on TV. Get your risk-free 60-day trial of Proactive Plus with free shipping. That's right, free shipping. Don't wait. Call 800-567-0214. That's 800-567-0214. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad uh, to be with you today, and we're glad you're with us. And speaking about being with us, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, please welcome uh, the one, the only, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Morning, Billy. How you doing? I'm doing. How's uh, everything? I'm doing good, my man. I'm doing good. Lots of stuff to talk to you about. We got an email uh, that uh, somebody wants to get your thoughts on, but first, I got to jump right into this. Uh, the whole situation that took place with the uh, Andre Durrell and uh, Jose. And I can't pronounce this guy's name, so I'm going to just try to say it once, and I'm just going to refer to him as Jose, Jose, uh, uh, you, you, guy or whatever. But uh, Jose, uh, the sucker punch. First and foremost, my thoughts, and maybe I'm totally wrong. Uh, I I saw it like this, Larry. I thought that um, you know the punch itself was uh, he was in the middle of a what I thought was like a two-punch combination. The bell rang. The first punch was delivered at the bell. The second one was already in motion. Did it happen after the bell? Yes, it did. Should he have been disqualified? I'm not so sure, to be honest with you, Larry. I thought maybe he should have uh, been at most deducted a point. I thought Bill Clancy was kind of a little pissed that uh, that he you know wasn't understanding him after the warning from the previous round, 
And then the melee that took place afterwards, uh, you could clearly see, although we did have the benefit of a replay, Bill Clancy did not, uh, that, uh, you know, the corner instructed Darrell to stay down. Uh, then uh, that whole horrific scene with the uncle uh, sucker punching, and he was clearly sucker punching. I mean, he was talking to uh, the other corner man and then just hauls off and belts uh, Jose. I, I thought it was a real bad uh, move for boxing. What was your thoughts, number one, on what happened? And then number two, from a boxing commissioner's point of view, how would you have handled it if this took place in New Jersey? Well, let me start with the last part first, okay? How I would have handled it, uh, you know, really, the commission was left with no choice. Neither was the referee left with uh, anything uh, more than what he did because of the fact that the doctor ruled that the fighter could not continue. Now, of course, we know that there was a bid for the Academy Award in this whole situation. But this is one of the things that comes with the territory. The punch did come after the bell. Whether it was a part of a combination, whether, you know, it, it, you know, it was accidental or whatever, it was not ruled accidental. Therefore, uh, Clancy had no choice but to disqualify the fighter, for the, mainly for the reason that the, the doctor ruled that the fighter could not continue and uh, certainly the doctor was not going to uh, allow the fighter to continue with with him saying that he you know he can't go you see he started to get up then he laid back down so I knew this was coming I knew it was coming and uh, you know Clancy was left with no choice plus the fact he did one he he said that he had warned the fighter on one or two other occasions about hitting after the bell. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but it happens. You know, had the fighter been able to continue, then I think that uh, the referee would have been well within his right to take away a point or maybe two points to try to even this thing up a little bit, and that would have been it, you know. Now, as far as the other part of this, uh, the chaos that took place afterwards, well, I think that it was handled, you know, as well as it could be handled. No one expected uh, that corner man to go over. It appeared as though he was going over to sort of make amends and congratulate the guy, you know, you know, we're sorry for what happened. And all of a sudden, he hauls off and punches the guy. I, I, it's my understanding that it has become a police situation, which it should be, and uh, it just sends a warning to uh, other commissions or to anyone who's watching it from an administrative uh, perspective is that you have to have your inspectors and all of the other personnel be a bit more vigilant to look out for these types of situations. And I think that it was handled fairly well because a full-stage riot did not occur like what happened with um, Galata and Bo in Madison Square Garden several years ago, you know. So I think that it was handled properly, and I can't, you know, I can't be uh, critical of the referee because he was left with no choice. You know, uh, what happened with what was going on, it, it, what bothers me about the situation, Larry, was that 
you know, Andre Durrell himself, and I agree, you know, he should get an Academy Award. And as far as the doctor's ruling, that was after, you know, I mean, uh, after he realized that he, he had a chance to get the disqualification, you know, he's, he answered yeah. the questions all the right way to tell the, the, for the doctor to make that decision. I mean, but then again, yeah. we can't assume that, you know, yeah, we, we can't, we don't know that for a fact. That's just my assumption. But what bothered me the most was Andre de Durrell appeared to have gone over and, you know, made amends like the, the, your choice of words, which I, I agree with, with not only Jose, but the rest of his team. He said he understood, blah, 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 no problem. And he goes back to his corner. And then what starts taking place after that was Anthony Durrell, who, who ends up uh, slapping uh, one of the security guards uh, around uh, in, in the, in the uh, you know, third, fourth row, whatever. And then the other brother, who's up in uh, the bleachers or wherever he was, you know, he's fighting with everybody, getting dragged out, you know. And, and then, of course, the, the uncle with the, with the corner. It's almost like when does a fighter be held responsible for his corner? I know it sounds like it's not fair, but in a way... As a commissioner, you know, and, and as somebody that's trying to keep order, uh, you know, uh, is it his fault? You know, they, they were trying to say, well, you know, it's my brother. I, you know, the guy hit him. Well, well wait a minute. It, it took place in a boxing ring that was well over. You know, I'm not saying I would have justified it if it happened immediately, but at least you could say it was a spur of the moment, emotional, you know, the emotions took over and you reacted. This took place 10 minutes after, you know, I, I mean, it, it already had been done. It almost seemed like it was like, I don't want to say thought of, but it was definitely uncalled for. How much does the fighter have to pay the consequences for the rest of the team? Well, you know, you make a very, you make a very interesting and a very good point, Billy. Um, and perhaps at some point, See, this doesn't happen often. This really is not something that happens all the time or regularly. It, it, it's an aberration. It happens every now and then. You know, we've seen it happen, you know, maybe once, a, maybe this is, this is the, maybe the second time that I've seen an, a, a, a situation like this, which re this really didn't reach the point of the Bo Galata situation um, that happened several years ago. So, you know, since that time, this, this is the only situation, to my recollection, that even reached this point. But you make an interesting point in that at some point, perhaps we have to look at the fighter and his team as one entity. Okay, where they all are held responsible, perhaps for one another, with the fighter being the one that's going to pay the cost eventually if the rest of the team does not, you know, behave themselves. That's something that we should look at, you know, because, you know, it only takes one, maybe one time to do it. And, you know, the word travels fast in, in the sport of boxing. And I think that, uh, you know, we might be able to curtail that even more. Just like I'm sure that with that fighter getting disqualified for punching after the bell, we're going to see less and less of that type of activity taking place also. It's unfortunate that someone has to pay the cost first, 
okay, by losing a fight or by being disqualified. But oftentimes in the sport of boxing, that's the quickest way to send the message. So what you're saying is, is something that perhaps we need to do at some point, even if we do get challenged by it, um, find the fighter, suspend the fighter, or whatever, you understand, to be able to cur curtail these types of situations and to control our sport even more. So, you know, I'm not totally against that, and it's something that we maybe we should look at. Because um, this particular group, by the way, the Durrells, um, and not to castigate them in a negative light, but they do have somewhat of a reputation for causing a little confusion. We had them in Atlantic City uh, last year, okay? Now, they have the grandfather who's a very nice gentleman, you know, who works the corner. And it, and they do have these um, uh, other members of the family or of the team around who can get a little rambunctious, especially that other brother that you mentioned, you know, because, he, you know, I've heard some conversation about, you know, that particular group, and I've also uh, heard it mentioned that the kid that was fighting is the real, you know, level-headed kid, but that the brother, and I don't know this to be a fact, I'm telling you, you know, information that you gather. It, it's my understanding that the other brother has a tendency to get a little uh, a bit out of line. So, um, you know, these this is the type of um, information that should be shared among commissions uh, this is the type of information that we should take to heart and prepare ourselves in advance, not that we're going to go overboard or uh, be judge, jury, and executioner be, uh, ahead of time or anything like that, but it's just good to be aware of it, and prevention certainly uh, is, is the best thing uh, or the best way to go in these situations so that they don't happen. Yeah, and and the last thing we need is uh, additional uh, you know issues taking place in a sport like boxing. You know, I mean, uh, you, you don't need it outside of the ring, and and that's, that's what's right. so beautiful about the sport. You can have a guy that you know turns into a, a you know I, I don't want to use the word, but just you know a killer in the ring. You know, a Mike Tyson esque yes. kind of guy, and then outside the ring, he's the nicest guy you ever want to meet. I mean. Uh, you know, that's one of the beauties of the sport. We don't need other influences, and it just puts a black eye. It just has everyone, oh, you see what happens, oh, those those boxing people, you see what happens, you know, and that's, you know, unfortunate. But there's a lot of other things, so let me move on to uh, Javante Davis uh, and his performance against Leon Walsh. I got to tell you, Larry, I love this kid. I, there's some things about him I don't like. I, I, you know, I mean, you know, his, 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 Ego and all of that. He he's using it as a as a ploy because he showed genuine uh, uh, respect for his opponent and their team after the fight. Uh, I love this kid. I, I really think, and you know, I, I always find myself you know negative about Floyd Mayweather, but I don't think this kid needs Floyd Mayweather. I think that he's got enough ability, and and I'm afraid 
that the same path that Adrian Broner and, and Jay Leon Love and, and these other fighters that fall into this, I'm going to do whatever Floyd says, you know, and, and Floyd, let's make no mistake, he doesn't want to give up any limelight. And it was evident in the Davis fight. I think Davis is a talent. I think he could be one of those great fighters. I, I mean, I know he's young and I know he's only been around a little bit, but I see it in this kid. He's engaging. Uh, he's exciting. And, and I want him to keep moving in that direction. What's your thoughts? Oh, oh, I'm right on point with that. You know, um, I, I love this kid, too. Um, I differ a little bit um, on on your view with Floyd. I see a different relationship with. See, I see a little something different here, Billy, uh, with um, with this kid and Floyd. You know, I know Floyd likes he likes the limelight a little bit, but you know that's because he's you know it's hard to give that up. No, I know. When I know. You, when you've had it at the level of Floyd Mayweather. But you gotta ease, you gotta you gotta ease out of it, right? It's like getting it's like getting yeah. into a, a cold uh, pool or something. You gotta go one toe at a time, you know. So yeah, I can see that. You gotta get out of it sooner or later. Yeah. That's why. I, but 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 I I like their relationship. You know, it it really kind of gives me that um, not father son because Floyd's a little too young for that, but a big brother uh, a, a big brother type relationship. It seems like they get along well. It seems like this kid, you know, it, it starts with the kid also. You know, it seems like this kid ha- really has his head screwed on um, on right for, for lack of, uh, you know, if you don't mind me using that metaphor. You understand? Um, and he's something, there's something different about this youngster, you know, and he lets his performance do his talking. He's not over bragging, you know, I'm this, I'm that. You know, he's strictly business, you know, and he looks like he knows what he's doing in there at a very young age, and I expect big things from him, and I'm, I'm like you. I love this kid, you know, but I think that Floyd Mayweather thus far seems to be, uh, seems to be right for him. Well, you know, I, and, uh, it, it, I hope it stays that way. Well, here's my here's my thinking. My my thinking on it is that you know Floyd. Uh, let's face it, we've discussed this, and I think you agree. Floyd Mayweather, there's only one Floyd. Everyone's trying to emulate Floyd. You know, he's what he what he brings to the table is he's a a calculated risk fighter. You know, he 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 calculated his opponents. He's sitting on boatloads of cash that, you know, I could probably retire on the loose change that's in his couches. You know, I, I mean, you know, that's what he's done. But when you think about Floyd Mayweather, and we've said this before, you close your eyes, you think of Sugar Ray Leonard, you think of Sugar Ray Robinson, Mike Tyson, Larry Holmes, uh, Muhammad Ali, et cetera, et cetera. Great fights come to mind. You, oh man, you remember you remember Foreman and and uh, and and Ali. You know, remember uh, Ali Frazier. You know, you remember all these fights that pop in your mind. When you think of Floyd Mayweather, you don't think of him. You think of the money. You think of uh, the undefeated record. Uh, you know, excitement isn't synonymous with Floyd Mayweather. What I'm afraid is that he's going to guide Javante Davis along those lines. Th- consider this. The division that Javante Davis is in, he is in a position to fight these fights 
the Leo Santa Cruz's, the the Lomachenko's, uh, the the um, you know uh, Carl Frampton's, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All these fights that would be exciting fights, memorable fights that I think he's got a good chance of winning them all. But they would be not easy fights, memorable fights that could cement his legacy for years to come. Long after he's he's done, people will still be talking. And my fear, Larry, is that Floyd's going to guide him to the lesser. Uh, you know the 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 less challenging fights and sell the bill of goods about how much more money you can make for less effort. That's my point. What do you think? Well, well, hey, I hope that doesn't happen. But you make a very valid point there, and you know I think that that would be a disservice to a uh, Javanta if Floyd doesn't be on the constant lookout for the right dance partner for this kid because I could see the potential there and all of those guys that you mentioned in time, not right now, but in time, I hope that he calls them all out because I certainly think that he has the potential to beat them all, okay? I think that he's ready, you know, to shut Broner's mouth right now if that be the case, okay, right now. I think he's ready because Broner, you know, I never really saw him as being much more than a lot of hype and a lot of talk, okay? And um, I still haven't gotten over how he got away with that robbery of um, um, Malinaji at the Bakhti Center, okay? But I I hope that that you're wrong, okay? Okay, I hope that you're wrong and that I also hope that Floyd really, really try to find the right dance partner for this kid because I see I see greatness in this kid at an early age. I, I, I wouldn't agree with you more, and I hope I'm 100% wrong. I'm running out of time. There's a lot of things I want to get to. First and foremost, another one, uh, Terrence Crawford. Does what Terrence Crawford does. I love this kid. Um, he's yep. a guy. He's a, he's a great example of what I was talking about before. Inside the ring, he wants to destroy his opponent. Outside, he's very respectful. You know, and uh, he does. I love watching him fight because he systematically breaks down his opponents. He doesn't fall for stupid tricks. And this guy has an opportunity. And according to Bob Arum, that's what they're shooting for to unify uh, all four belts. The only guy to have done that previously was Bernard Hopkins. Um, against uh, uh, when he fights, uh, when Crawford fights Indigo. What was your thoughts of his performance? Again, again, we can't, we can't stop agreeing. I mean, and of course, I always have to get a pitch in for my guy. You're talking about a real gentleman outside of the ring. I mean, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, you're talking about a killer in the ring and a real gentleman outside. There's your perfect example. But Getting back to Terrence Crawford, you know, true. Nice kid outside. He's very respectful, respects his opponents. But once he crawls, once he goes through those ropes, man, you got a killer on your hand, and he takes care of business. And one thing I like, he's in good. You know, he's got great. He's got great management promoter, however you want to call it, with that uh, top rank, Bob Arum. You know Bob Arum and his and his uh, you know his team, they know how to move a kid. They know how to move a fighter along. I got to give him credit for that. 
You know, I've been watching this guy for the last 30, 35 years, you know, moving fighters in there. And if a kid has talent, Bob Arum knows how his matchmakers, they know how to nurture that talent, how to develop fighters. If a kid really has got it, they will find those dance partners that will bring out the best in their fighters. Pacquiao's an example, and all of the other great fighters. I'm not even going to try to name them that Bob Arum has promoted and moved along the way, you know. So I see that same um, blueprint for Terrence Crawford, and he's definitely on his way to becoming. Hey, right now, in my opinion, uh, uh, Terrence Crawford, you know, could be viewing for for pound for pound uh, best out there. You know, at this point right now. Yeah. You know, with what he's showing. You know, you know, you that's a name that you you don't really hear mentioned that much with pound for pound. But he certainly gets my vote to at least be in the running. I, I, I agree. I mean this is a guy that that seems to get better and better and what I love about him and same reasons I love about Davis is that they, they're willing to engage when they have to. So and, and that's what makes excitement in, in the sport. And and Terrence Crawford shows that he can engage and still not get hit, you know, but uh that's right. and that's the sweet science. One last question, Larry, I only got about a minute. Um and I had an email for you, but we'll read it next time. It's not date sensitive. But um uh, in the fight that took place in Japan, uh Hassam Nadam fought uh Ryota Murata. And it wasn't a great fight or anything like that. But my, my, my question, my point here is this. Um, three of the judges that were appointed by the WBA and uh, Gilberto Jesus Mendoza uh, were all, you know, uh, they had a guy from Panama, a guy from Canada, a guy from the United States. Two of them scored the fight for Nadam, 116-111, uh, 115-112. Yeah. And the third one, the U.S. guy, Raul Caez Jr., scored the fight 117-110 for Murata. Um which, you know, I, I, it was a majority decision. I'm okay, right? I, I was a little questioning that, that, that out-of-whack score for the other side. But then... Well, it was a split decision. Right. Then, then Mendoza comes out, and he <clears throat> said that he felt angry and frustrated about the decision. He said he, he personally scored the fight 117-110 for Murata, and then he apologized to Murata and the promoter of the event and said he was going to order an immediate rematch. My question to you is, what the hell is he saying? I mean, he he approved these two guys. Shouldn't he have handled that behind closed doors? I mean, why would he go out? To me, that seemed blatant that the wrong guy won this fight. Well, well, you know, um, I said right away, someone sent me an email, sent me a told me to read the article. It was on Fight News, I think. Okay. And, and I responded, it's a very dangerous precedent. It reminds me of something that the former commissioner of this agency did uh, a few years ago in a fight in Atlantic City where he suspended the judges. Okay. Uh, he suspended the judges uh, in an unpopular Decision. I think it was Paul Williams and I forgot the other guy. Um, um, or, Slandy, or Slandy Lara, wasn't it? Wasn't it the Lara fight? Uh, Lara, yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. Very, very dangerous precedent. Uh, totally unfair to the judges. Something that I would never do. 
okay? And I don't, you know, I, I don't think many of my colleagues would do that, okay? Um, this is the decision that the judges reached, all right? So, you know, this is how it is in boxing. Sometimes you get an unpopular decision, but, you know, to come along now and try to placate the 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 ones who you thought um, won the fight and order an automatic rematch, I think that you're you're setting a dangerous precedent for any future unpopular decisions now. Now what are we you gonna do? You're gonna continue to order rematches because you saw the fight differently? I mean you approved the judges, okay? You approved the fight, so you you live and die with the people that you appoint and you approve. I mean, you know, these things, we accept the fact that these things occur in boxing, so let's try to continue to improve the judging. But I, I think that that's a dangerous thing that he did, and I don't think that it was fair to the judges either. Nah, it was bad. Hey, Larry, appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to uh, next week. I got the email I'll read you, and then also... Uh, uh, the uh, we'll get to talk about the Cal Brook and uh, Errol Spence Jr. fight, which is scheduled for this weekend. So I'm sure we'll have some more uh, interesting things to discuss. Okay, Billy. Look, looking forward. To hey, it. by the way, uh, good luck this weekend. I know you're uh, getting inducted into it's this weekend, right? The Atlantic City Hall of Fame. Yes, it's this weekend. That's well, correct. Con congratulations again, my man, and uh, good luck with that. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay, Billy. Thank you. All right, brother. Take care. That's uh, Larry Hazard uh, and uh, giving us his thoughts. And uh, as usual, we're mostly on the same page. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, the blast from the past with Alex Papali. And this week is Nicolino Loche. I'll be back in two. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? back you're listening and watching the billy c show uh, glad you could be with us today and uh it's that time again uh one of our uh longest segments and one of uh, your guys favorites uh the blast from the past uh is coming up right now now the blast from the past this weekend is being brought to us uh by kofantasyboxing.com check it out www.kofantasyboxing.com and it's being brought to us in part by the title bout championship computer game get yourself a copy right now by visiting our website billycboxing.com and clicking on the title bout championship computer game banner well joining me right now to tell us all about this week's blast from the past who is former world champion and boxing hall of famer nicolino loche which was a request, by the way, is my main man, Alex Perpali. Good morning, Alex. 
Good morning, Billy C. How are you? I'm doing better than Jose uh, Uzelmagunjum. I'm a user guy. <laughs> I, I can't even pronounce his name, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But Nicol Nicolino Loche, one of your favorite fighters that you love to talk about. Um, another request, and uh, like I always say to everybody, if you have a blast from the past request, feel free to drop me an email, and uh, we'll do it. And it's uh, Billy at Talking Boxing. Tell us about Loche, your man. My man, yeah, I uh, since I, I have a little more of appreciation for him since I sent you that email. Okay. Uh, the, the last, the first time we did him, I don't think I found too much info on him, and um, and and I guess I just didn't have the patience to watch. There's a lot of clips on him on YouTube, but they all have Spanish soundtracks, um, and I didn't have the patience. I don't think last time to um, to watch any uh, or watch many uh, more than just clips. Uh, I have a lot more appreciation for him, but uh, no, this is not. He's he's a defensive guy, and um, I'm much more of a. Uh, I like a, a busy offense, aggressive fighter. I mean, I, I you know I grew up in the Tyson generation, so uh, I think that's how, sort of how my uh, boxing compass points. But in terms of defensive uh, wizardry. Uh, this guy should be right up there. When people talk about Willie Pep, Pernell Whitaker, Nicolino Loche should be right up there. As a matter of fact, uh, as we'll get to, uh, some of the greats um, think of him as better than Willie Pep. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The uh, El Intocable, I, I think is how you say it, which means the untouchable. That was his nickname. And when you watch the clips of him, it's freakish. He really was untouchable. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, defensively, you know, these are these guys that, uh, you know, it says it all, untouchable. And uh, I, we had a lot of listeners that really loved this guy. And, uh, um, you know, you're the one that let the cat out of the bag. I was, uh, you know, about yourself. But, uh, but you know, I, but the, the funny thing is, and, and not to take away from this, because I, I want you to move forward uh, with Loche, but... This is exactly what my point, I don't know if you were listening earlier on, on the show, but this is exactly my point about, you know, when you talk about all-time greats and where they go in the memory banks and when people talk about them. Great defensive fighters, unfortunately, don't get remembered. And Loshag is a great example, similar to what I feel is going to happen with Floyd Mayweather. You know, yes, they're great, they're defensive, nobody can hit them, but their fights aren't memorable because of it. You know, the memorable fights, like you're saying, you're a Tyson guy. You know, the memorable fights is watching him destroy an opponent. You know, watching Jack Dempsey destroy opponents. Uh, or watching, you know, back and forth great fights. Even Leo Santa Cruz and Carl Frampton, those two fights will be memorable. You know, so defensively saves you. And it's great, and other fighters respect it. But it's short-lived in terms of memory, at least in my opinion. Tell, tell us about Loche. Yeah, I, I think you do have a point there, and, and I think that's something that to think about. I think the other thing, reason why this guy might not be as remembered is because um, so many fights, uh, he was sort of a regional fighter in that sense. He fought for so long in his home country of Argentina. But yeah, uh, Nicolino Loche, uh, Nicolino uh, Felipe Loche is his full name, uh, El Intocable, uh, or the untouchable. He was born September 2nd, 1939 in Tunion, uh, Mendoza province of Argentina, uh, Argentina. 
and um, they he was a fistic genius. Uh, you know, there's a the, one of those sayings of boxing that I really love is, uh, and it's very it's a truism, and I'm not sure who coined it or it's just one of those you know in the glossary of fight sayings. It's one of them: looks don't win fights, and uh, you know you could win a weigh-in, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, this guy was the epitome of this. He looked kind of like a brawler, uh, like he would be a brawler, um, but uh, he was built kind of like Al Bundy. Uh, and for all you youngins, uh, that was a sitcom called Married with Children. Uh, but anyway, uh, he uh, was five foot six inches tall. Uh, he fought at lightweight and junior welterweight. And um, like I said, I mean, he looked like uh, just this, um, you know, sort of barrel chested, balding. Um, thick shoulder guy. Uh, there's a really good article um, on the web uh, by Mike Casey, a boxing historian. I think we've talked about him before. We've read some of other his other articles on the net. Um, and uh, he like he's he looked more like a journeyman pug, but his reflexes were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and also, I think Bill, like you say, uh, the fact that he learned it as a craft. He started uh, fighting as an amateur at the young age of nine. And supposedly he was fighting in um, uh, little um, uh, arenas that were lit with kerosene lamps. And one of the uh, sort of stories that developed about him was he fought bigger guys. Um, and uh, sometimes he'd blow out the lamps to try to even up the score. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> You know, I, this guy um, never fought in the U.S. or even in the U.K., Alex. I mean, his whole career he fought uh, mostly in Argentina. But, you know, it's it's amazing to see. I mean, not to – like, you, you make a great point. I mean, there are some known fighters on his resume uh, that our listeners, I'm sure, have heard of. Um, but it's ironic to see that a guy who was such a defensive genius and master in the ring, who, who really didn't go for knockouts, I mean, his career, you know, out of uh, 136 fights, you know, he only had four, uh, I'm sorry, uh, he only had 14 knockouts, uh, which gave him a, a, a slightly over 10% knockout ratio. However, when he won his world title uh, in 1968 against Takeishi Fuji, uh, the WBA uh, super lightweight title, he knocked him out. He uh, the, he couldn't continue. So I guess when he had to reach down, he could muster up some uh, some meanness and uh, and stop an opponent, huh? Right. I mean, he had mostly powder puffs in his hand, but um, yeah, even uh, if you uh, you know slice somebody with a little razor blade uh, or like an exacto knife, you keep doing that all night. You know, eventually you're gonna take him out. Uh, and the thing that was amazing about him was uh, he could stand there right in front of you, uh, stand in the pocket, and able to just sort of slip out of the way these ridiculous uh, ways, little little fractions of movements that he could make you miss. Uh, punches would sail over his shoulders. Um, he he may have been the one who invented the rope a dope even before Ali. Uh, he didn't use it in the same way because you couldn't hit him. But he could lean back into the ropes and disappear from a fighter. Um, the way Casey refers to it as a uh, liquid-like uh, defense. And I like that because it sounds like the Matrix or something. Uh, but it is ridiculous. One of the other things about him, uh, he was a smoker. 
He smoked um, about two packs a day, up to like 50 cigarettes. Uh, and some, sometimes his cornerman would hold up a, a, a towel and he'd take a drag um, in between rounds. Um, but that didn't seem to affect him. It did affect him long, his long-term health. That's probably what did him in, was uh, smoking. But um, it's pretty ridiculous. This is not a guy who uh, was, he was not a runner, as you would say. He uh, didn't dance away from his opponent to make a miss. He, that's what frustrated the hell out of him. The clips on YouTube are crazy. You know, the smoking thing, in, in, in the 60s, mid-60s, late-60s, uh, when he was, you know, in his prime and fought, a lot of superstar athletes smoked. You know, I, I remember my, one of my idols, uh, Joe Namath, of course, uh, um, you know, when he retired from football for that year, uh, he had this, uh, you know, show, you know, he had like this talk show and he had all the superstars of the era coming on, you know, the the uh, Mickey Mantles and, and you know, uh, Gordy Howes and, and other fighters. Uh, other uh, superstars of the era, and they all were smoking. They were, you know, on the sidelines. You know, Fred Bolitnikoff used to smoke cigarettes in between plays, you know, and you say to yourself, that's one thing that we've learned today is, you know, smoking's not good for you. I would be shocked if any athlete today, e even if he's not a superstar, any professional athlete today, if they smoked, you know, uh, so times have changed. But anyway. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Got, it's got to be so rare, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised today, Billy C, if there's people out there vaping. Uh, you know, um, who was a, a guy who I can imagine vaping was what was it? Terrell Owens, the guy who brought the gun into the club and it, it fell out of his pocket. Wasn't it Terrell Owens? Well, no, Plexico. You're talking about Plexico Burris shot himself in the leg. Oh, okay, that was him. that was I yeah. We, <laughs> but I, I can picture you know story. somebody get getting into a vape. I don't know. I'm just it's off on a rant. Never mind. It's <laughs> because you're in Connecticut and things are different there now. But uh, um, you got uh, <laughs> you got you got uh, he wins the title. He had some successful defenses. Carlos Hernandez was uh, one of his successful defenses, uh, and you know several others, and he dominated the division for uh, several years. Uh, including a win over Antonio uh, Cervantes. Uh, now, Cervantes, is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, no. Um, the three Hall of Famers uh, on his record are um, Eddie Perkins, Ismael Laguna, and Carlos Ortiz. He, uh, he won against a 10-rounder over Eddie Perkins at, in August of 67, and then he drew with both Ismael Laguna and with Carlos Ortiz. Uh, I think he, all three of those guys he fought at lightweight. Um, you know who I think eventually may get in? I think he's been on the ballot a few times, uh, is Carlos Hernandez. Um, he's probably Hall of Fame quality that might eventually be another Hall of Famer uh, that is on Loche's record. But no, th those were the Hall of Famers that he fought. You know the Cervantes fight was uh, was a, a pretty decent fight, and uh, it, but his skill set started to to to, to fade. Uh, that fight, the first fight, took place in 1971. The second fight um, took place after he was already uh, had lost his title because he lost his title to Alfonso Frazier um, in 1972. And it would be safe to say, Alex, that by the time he fought Frazier. His skill set started to uh, to fail him, and you could kind of see 
uh, I mean, no disrespect to Frazier, but he wasn't the same caliber of uh, the fighter that he had been beating. He won a couple more, and then he got his rematch with Cervantes and, and actually was stopped um, and, and took two years off uh, and then came back and, and won. But, uh, but that was it. I, I think his uh, skill set, he knew, uh, was on the way out. Yeah, I mean, a guy like this, uh, that he didn't have a lot of pop that he could, especially when a fighter gets older and those reflexes get blunted, uh, almost every fighter becomes to some degree a puncher um, because they could, um, you know, they, they, they know the little tricky openings and stuff that the other guy doesn't know yet. And maybe they could set traps and stuff like that. But he didn't really have that power to fall back on. And one of my favorite books books about boxing is uh, Ralph Wiley's um, Serenity. And in that, he talks so much. Uh, I mean, everybody knows this who watch boxing, um, but he really drives that point home that reflexes is everything in boxing. And once those are gone, yeah, it's, it's over. Um, uh, a fighter I saw recently who looked shot was um, Delvin Rodriguez. Uh, he's a good example of somebody whose reflexes just aren't what they were. And I think maybe that's what happened to Loche, uh, is that, um, you know, they just, they weren't what they were. You know, I, well, Rodriguez never had the uh, the, the, the <laughs> defense that Loche had, but no, um, oh, certainly not. I don't need so, to compare him in that. <laughs> so, so Loche Lo uh, did take two years off of uh, after he couldn't continue with uh, Cervantes, and then um, he ran off uh, six more wins from 1975 uh, through his last fight in uh, August of 1976, and then retired. What did he do after that, Alex? You know, I don't know. Um, that's unfortunate uh, too. It's um, uh, I don't have the the newspapers I search um, tend to be you know American papers um, or UK papers. I don't um, uh, I don't see any um, you know South American papers or Argentinian papers. Uh, he did have a triple bypass in 1994. He had, like I said, heart and lung issue, issues. But if I could read one paragraph that I thought was just beautiful uh, from the Mike Casey article uh, here. Once in motion, however, Loche blew all stereotype images from the mind. His was a lazy, languid, impudent style that was all his own. He was genuinely unique among the great magicians of the ring. And I haven't seen his like since. He was a grandmaster of all the essential technical skills and invented his own little eclectic collection into the bargain. He was El Intocable, the untouchable. What he didn't possess was a knockout wallop and how convenient that was for certain lazy writers whose research on Loche was so was to simply glance at his long record and highlight the 14 KO wins from the staggering total of 117 triumphs, 14 draws, and just four losses in 135 battles. So yeah, that's you know that's Casey's point is that you can't look at this guy at the fact that you know in terms of his punches he he couldn't break an egg. He's still alive, right? Loche died. No, he's uh, dead. Oh, I didn't have his death. I couldn't find any death. When did he pass? He died. Uh, well, the bypass was in 94. He did not go to his induction. 
So he was dead, yeah, before he was inducted. Really? I didn't have a dad. I, th I have him listed as still living at 77 years old. Huh. No, died September 7th, 2005. Oh. In Argentina. Well, uh, you have any uh, final thoughts on uh, on Loche? Uh, just another um, Ray Arcel in terms of, you know, uh, the sort of the cre uh, credentials this guy has. Uh, the great, great people, great boxing historians looked at him as great. Uh, Ray Arcel thought he was the best defensive fighter ever. Second was Willie Pep. Hank Kaplan felt, uh, the great historian felt that Loche had an exquisite defense and a great vision to be able to see punches. And um, it was Angelo Dundee who spoke at his uh, IB, uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame induction. Uh, and he said that Loche was slick, smart, and he played the ropes. Okay, how do you do in title bout? I put him in against uh, the badass of the weekend, or one of the many badasses of the weekend, actually, uh, Terrence Crawford. The first time they fought, unanimous decision for Nicolino Loche. Uh, well, majority decision, my, my bad. Uh, one score, 115 all. Uh, Loche wins by two, one score of 116-113 and one of 117-113. Uh, Loche was able to cut Crawford in the fourth, and uh, Crawford bled for much of the fight, but it was um, it was kept under control in the 11th uh, and the 12th. The doctor looked at it, but otherwise, just majority decision. Uh, when they fight a hundred times, uh, Loche bests him: 53 wins, 37 losses, 10 draws. He actually scored 11 knockouts of Bud Crawford. And in Crawford's 37 wins, 21 of them were by stoppage. Sounds good. And I would think stoppage would include a coughing fit, you know. <laughs> yeah, needing to, <laughs> needing to light up another smoke, you know. So, um, Nicolai, Nicolino Loche, uh, former world junior welterweight champion, uh, had uh, the title for four years. He actually defended it five times, I believe. Uh, he was known for his great defense and uh, athletic ability, like uh, Alex just said, and all the uh, uh, trainers that uh, gave him the accolades. He was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 2003. He had an amateur, a really good amateur career also, 117 wins against five losses. Uh, as far as uh, his pro uh, record, 117 wins, 14 by knockout. He lost four times in which he was only stopped once. And he had 14 draws. Nicolino Loche, our blast from the past this week. Great job as usual, Alex. And as we're running out of time, I got to get your thoughts on a couple of things. First and foremost, um, dastardly, the dastardly yes, deed. Yes, the, da the dastardly <laughs> deed against Jose, uh, which I'm not going to murder his name again. Uh, I, I thought it was a travesty. Um, I, you know, Larry made some interesting points from a uh, commission point of view. But I thought Bill Clancy made a mistake. I, I, I think that that fight should not have been a disqualification. I think a point or even two. And then if uh, Darrell could not continue, go to the scorecards. Um, I thought he was already in motion with the punch, even though it did occur after the bell. You, you, I mean, if he would have landed another one, different story. I don't know. It's uh, a judgment call. It wasn't my call. It was uh, Bill Clancy's. But what was your thoughts on that? And then, of course, the melee afterwards. Um, 
I thought when I first saw it, I kind of went along with the groupthink of Malinaji, Ronaldo, <clears throat> and uh, Bernstein, who immediately agreed with the referee that it was after the bell, far enough after the bell that it could have been stopped, you know, pulled back by the fighter, um, and uh, that it was, you know, not egregious, but it was definitely a foul. Um, when I had two friends over, they both thought, they were like, "Real, that's not that bad. I, I was a little surprised. Both of them, their reaction was that it wasn't that bad. Um, so that's, you know, two-thirds of the viewers watching. Um, however, uh, the, what happened after, there's no excuse for. Um, and it's very sad. It's just a reminder that we, you know, I'm not sure we should look to... Um, boxers uh for role models i think you got to be careful whenever you look for people uh in this this day and age for role models um because i don't know if you saw but uh clarissa clarissa shields who you know uh, you kind of wanted to feel good about uh defended uh the uncle's actions on social media and i think she might have delete since deleted the post i couldn't find it last night but um I, I don't know. I mean, what he did was awful. It's right up there with the James Butler, uh, you know, sucker punch to Richard the Alien Grant. Um, but uh, I, I think there is a legitimate question, and and maybe I do fault. I think you're right. Maybe we should fault Showtime, bringing up the idea, like what Larry was saying, like both you guys were saying, that um, was it so egregious? that it required a DQ. I mean, they went right to DQ. And I think maybe some of it was the acting on Darrell's part. When you go down face first, a lot of times you're done. Uh, it did look like he was done. Um, but then, I don't know. Uh, it's a tough one in the way he made the call. Uh, things seemed okay. Um, in terms of the way Darrell was handling it, he had the most class of his whole team. Uh, but his uncle, and, and I, it looked like his brother, too, took a swipe at one of the guys uh, with the state commission. If you watch part of the uh, the, the clip that Showtime uh, aired, uh, in the little scuffle, there does look like a punch is oh, yeah. thrown from Durrell. Oh, yeah, that, both brothers. But, but you know, I, listen, Showtime, they're kicking HBO's butt in terms of quantity, and even some matchups, but that announcing team is. Uh, Ronaldo doesn't know a left hook from a fish hook. All, all he does is he he makes his he he likes to pride himself on he's working the body like there's candy in it. You know, I mean, come on. I, if I hear that joke uh, one more time, awful, you know, yeah, he, all his references he, are atrocious. He, I can't stand. I can't him. handle it. I, I would love it if they replaced him. Or he, I don't know. He just changed his shtick up. His timing is bad. He interrupts Al all the time. He interrupts Paulie. And Paulie and Al are really good. No, I I agree, and they're, and they're he's bringing them down. He's terrible. He's the worst. But listen, Alex, I got one minute. Um, the, the the question today is Javante Davis. I thought Javante Davis put on a fantastic performance, and I and I and I think that the sky's the limit for this kid. Nineteen years old or twenty years old, whatever he is, and uh, he, he he shows me all the things I want to see in a young fighter. Except I'm not sure his alliance with Floyd is going to end. Well, uh, Larry disagrees with me. Um, I just, uh, I, I look at the history with Floyd and some of his other so-called protégés, not one of them 
uh, has uh, ended in the right direction. I think Javante Davis has a chance to be a great fighter. I really do. I know it's early, but I do. What's your thoughts on the relationship with the two? Uh, the relationship, yeah. I think, uh, I hope and pray that uh, for his sake, Javante Davis is uh, proceeding with caution and is highly suspicious of everything that Floyd says and doesn't, um, uh, you know, want to make himself into that mold of uh, a Floyd athlete because the way Floyd is because Floyd there's not a lot of admirable qualities about him uh, he uh, to me he never had much charisma uh, Gervonta Davis I think the thing the the knock on him for me is he's a counter puncher as much as he's an explosive puncher uh, he waits a long time give me a guy like Gary Russell Jr. Of the weekend, I liked Gary Russell Jr.'s performance the best. Terrence Crawford looked sensational, but um, I don't know. I think HBO was way over the top in the hyperbole. Um, to me, Gervonta Davis uh, would be wise to, um, uh, like I said, proceed with caution. I mean, Floyd just has very little class. You saw his comments about Anthony Joshua. He doesn't care about anybody himself, by, but himself. I can't help but think that that relationship will eventually end poorly, like most relationships between fighters and promoters. And most, re- most relationships with anyone and Floyd. And and the thing, the thing, most of his wives. The thing about Floyd, which I can't stand, is and he and his fans support him. You know, he says he could school Triple G easy. And because of that, he doesn't even have to fight him. You know, and, and, and his fans are all going, oh, yeah, yeah, he's so good. He Why should he have to fight him? He could school him easy. I, I, I just don't understand that uh, mindset. But, Alex, yeah, uh, we got to take a break. I appreciate uh, your uh, blast today. It was a great job. And uh, we look forward to you uh, next week to talk about uh, the blast. And, of course, Errol Spence and Kell Brook, another big fight yeah, this weekend. can't wait for that. This is going to be a good weekend. Very excited. All right, my man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Billy C., take care. That was Alex Papali, and uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, we will have uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola back with us. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And... We're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C Show. Uh, glad you're with us. And uh, speaking about being with us, uh, back with us is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. What's up, Sal? Hey, Bill. How you doing, buddy? Those were good segments. I enjoyed listening. Oh, hey, Joe, well, hey. I'm, I'm glad you approve. Then we can move on. You. We can move on now. So uh, that's good. <laughs> we got a couple of emails, and uh, we'll get your thoughts on them. Uh, first one is from my man, Jesse. He says, uh, hey, Billy C. and Sal, I read Omar Figueroa and Robert DeGosgarao will happen in Uniondale, uh, New York. I just see this uh, bout as a stepping stone for Omar, uh, who has been inactive, and Robert will use this fight as his way uh, out 
in order to let Omar, Omar shine. Both guys fight on the inside and should be uh, somewhat entertaining. How do you see the fight going? Marcus Brown against Shawnee Monahan should also be good. Um, this is a fight that's taken place uh, in Union uh, Vale, uh, which is, will be the new arena where the Islanders used to play. Um, how do I see this fight going? I, you know, I think it will be an entertaining fight. I think it also shows that Robert Douglas Guerrero, um, I agree with Jesse Sal that it's kind of like it's uh, ushering in the new kid uh, with uh, Omar Figueroa. Uh, but never count out Robert Degos Guerrero. You know, he is a, a tough fighter. He's been in there with world-class fighters. He's come up short. But, um, I, you know, I wouldn't count him out yet. Figueroa definitely doesn't have the resume that the ghost has. Uh, what's your thoughts on that fight? I, I share the same as you. I think it's a passing of the torch. I think it should be a good, entertaining fight. And I, I think when push comes to shove, uh, it's going to be what you and I, what we all expect here. You know, the, the other fight that uh, Jesse mentions, Marcus Brown against Shawnee Monaghan. Shawnee Monaghan, he works real hard and everything, but he's, he's not exactly super talented. Um, it's not his fault. He's, he was overprotected. Uh, and Marcus Brown is the same. So I, I think that both fighters have an opportunity in this one to, uh, to move forward uh, should they win. Uh, the loser... Uh, we'll have to uh, get back on his horse and, and climb the ladder again. I, I think this is a significant fight for both. I think the move, the winner will move on to bigger and better things. Uh, he says, uh, what's your thoughts on Noyoya uh, Monster Inuno uh, saying his next fight will be in the U.S.? I hope so. I mean, uh, this kid is, uh, uh, it's funny, they call the small guys monster, Sal, you know. But, uh, <laughs> I like uh, but, but this kid uh, does uh, do nothing but win, and he wins in dominating fashion. Uh, the problem is is uh, the fact that, you know, like in his last fight that he fought last weekend, he fought a guy that, you know, didn't have that flattering of a record who mysteriously was the number one, uh, you know, number one mandatory for him. But it is a division, Sal, that uh, is far and few in between with fighters. So I, I look forward to seeing him in the U.S. What about you? Yeah, me too. I, I, it's about time. Let's get him over here and get him some good exposure on the U.S. territory, and uh, let's see what he does. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Jesse says, uh, hey, Billy, see, what about uh, Diaz and Crawford peaking at 1.036 million viewers? Uh, how did wow. you see that? Um, it doesn't surprise me. You know, uh, Terrence Crawford is, um, is a fighter. First of all, they had that pay-per-view with Terrence Crawford, and it didn't do that well. I think because he was on pay-per-view and then maybe some, you know, uh, casual boxing fans saw that he was on regular HBO, that they figure, hey, let's watch it. Uh, he is a good fighter. I, I hope the numbers are accurate, and it doesn't surprise me. You know, I think HBO, on regular HBO, does great regardless of who's fighting. But like uh, Larry, I, I think that Terrence Crawford is a, a top pound-for-pound -pound fighter, and I, I love the guy. Uh, he says, uh, Brooks said that his fight uh, is like... Uh, Kelly versus Nassim he says uh, I think Spence is more talented even though uh, Kelly was excellent he's referring to Kevin Kelly and Prince Nassim the Med Hamed which was a, a great fight um, you know listen I don't know what to expect in this fight this weekend Sal uh, we will start to break this fight down uh, Errol Spence Jr. and uh, Kel Brook you know and just quickly when I look at this fight you know they they've even though even though Kell Brook is more accomplished in terms of titles and and recognition, 
they've fought similar opposition. I mean, Errol Spence has quietly faced similar opposition as Kell Brook. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting fight, Sal. Yes, it should be, and uh, we'll look forward to that. I'll tell you that. Uh, we got another email. Uh, this one is um, from my man Mitch. Mitch. And, and the title says, Breaking News. He says, Billy C., uh, you're hearing it here first. He says the IBF is going to change the Durrell fight to a no contest and will order an immediate rematch. You won't wow. see this on any websites if you look. Remember, Mitch gave you this news first before anyone else. Um, wow. That'd be interesting if, if it comes through. Here's the thing that bothers me about this if it takes place. I believe that because sanctioning bodies are what they are, I don't believe that a sanctioning body has the jurisdiction to change an outcome of a fight to a no contest. I think that that falls solely on the commission's shoulders. I think the only thing that a sanctioning body can do, because remember, it's their title. I think the only thing that they can do is order an immediate rematch. I don't think they have the jurisdiction to rule a fight a no contest. I feel that falls uh, in the commission's hands. What do you think, Sal? Well, I'll tell you what. I believe you're one hundred percent right, and I know, I know, uh, Larry Hazard would be uh, the one to really uh, ice that and get that answer. But I, I think it, it's solely on a commissioner. I mean, you just made me remember my uh, my initial pro debut uh, with Bob Arum, top rank in ESPN. And uh, I fought a guy from Chicago. And it was my pro debut. And uh, that was Gary Gamble. And I think what happened before the end of the third round, he put his hand around my head. And he put his head down and yanked me right into his head. Split my forehead open right here where I received 63 stitches. Well, initially, the referee called it a win for... Uh, uh, Gary Gamble, even though I won the first round. But uh, I think what happened was later on it was overturned and ruled a no contest because the rules and regulations and laws in the state of New Jersey declared that if a fight should end uh, in a butt fashion before the end of a third round, then it's going to be ruled a no contest. And that's exactly what happened with me. So it is up to the commissioner, I believe. And that's where this should stand. Um, we have another email. This one's from Joel, and he had a question for Larry, which I'm not going to read, uh, and we will give that to Larry next week. I, I apologize to you, Joel. Uh, we ran out of time. Um, but his question for us, Sal, is he says, uh, hey, guys, I was wondering uh, if uh, you and Mr. Tri-State area, Sal Senecola, I don't know where you got that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, thoughts <laughs> on the boxing card that was announced uh Today or yesterday, he says that's opening up at the Nassau Coliseum. Guerrero, uh, Guerrero versus Figueroa, Monahan versus Brown, and Spitzka versus Konaki. I think that's an intriguing card, and I'm glad to see boxing's back in Long Island. The UFC on uh, regular Fox will be at the same. Will be at the new uh, Coliseum a week later. Both prominent combat sports from the same venue on the same network. If Sal and you were 20 years younger, you guys would sell out to any venue in New York. New Jersey or Long Island uh, Make a comeback. in 60 seconds. Um, he says, New York, New Jersey, Long Island. Uh, hey, Joel, Long Island is New York. Uh, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the card, we talked about that. 
a few moments ago. That card uh, is uh, uh, interesting. We'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, as far as Spitzka, I'm glad to uh, see him come back. Uh, I, I like uh, Spitzka, but uh, anyway, uh, we got the uh, another question here, Sal, and this one. Uh, the topic is trivia question, and oh uh, it says, uh, "Hey Billy, see my name is Eric uh, Rosas, and I've been listening to your show for a little over a year now. This is the best boxing podcast. The content is great. One day I'll have to call in, uh, but I wanted to take a guess on the trivia question, and I think I know the answer to this one." Uh, he says, "Rigandal versus Amagasa." was for the WBO and WBA Super Bantamweight titles. Amagasa uh, was listed at five foot ten inches, uh, five foot ten and a half inches, and Rigandau five foot four. I'll listen to the show to see if I'm right. Thanks again, fellas, and keep the great content coming. Um, normally, I don't read um, answers to trivia questions uh, as an email, but because Eric is a new listener, uh, I figured uh, that we would, and uh, we love all uh, our listeners, and we especially like to hear from new ones, especially if you're watching on the uh, 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 Holyfield Television Network. We're curious to uh, see uh, when you're watching and get some information uh, on that. Uh, we know uh, we've heard from a lot of people from Fight TV and uh, look for uh, some other networks that uh, we're finalizing some deals right now with, and we're real excited especially with the project that uh, Sal and I are going to be working on in a couple of weeks down in St. Simon. So uh, all of that. But to answer your question, uh, Eric, uh, it's a great answer. But the answer is no, that that's not uh, wow. the answer. But here, I'm going to ask today's trivia question right now, Sal. Um, all right, let's it go. It is uh, uh, a one that uh, uh, is is a tough one. We've gotten a lot of great answers, uh, but this one's still uh, alive and well. So if you get this answer correctly, uh, if you're the first one to answer it correctly by emailing me, Billy at Talkin Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. You'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, the same game that Alex just read his simulation uh, with our blast from the past today, Nicolino Loche. Uh, against uh, Terrence Crawford. Um, here's the question. Excluding heavyweights, what is the biggest height difference between two men in the same division fighting for a world title? Excluding heavyweights, what's the biggest height difference between two men in the same division for a title fight? Uh, as usual, we're going to ask uh, Sal. Maybe Sal can get this question right, and then I'll move on to another question. But Sal, do you know the answer? What is the biggest height difference between two men in the same division for a world title fight, excluding uh, the heavyweights? What, do you have an answer? Well, I was going to say Jack Dempsey, but he was a heavyweight. Um, I, I don't have an answer. Who's the shortest guy that Tommy Hearns fought? Sal Rocky <laughs> Senecola. So this question is still uh, It's active. still on the front burner. I can't believe there's not one person out there. That can answer this question. I can Bill, believe you, it. It's a tough one. I know you could answer, Bill. No, I couldn't. <laughs> I would have never got it. I would have never got it. it. Let me ask you this. Was this our dear friend Larry, uh, uh, 
Henry Haskup's uh, origination? Yes. Did he, did Henry, he Henry, Henry gets some tough ones. So uh, for anybody out there, if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, uh, you will win the prize. What is the biggest height difference uh, between uh, two fighters fighting for a world title, excluding, excluding heavyweights? So uh, email me. Uh, t- on tomorrow's show, uh, we are going to uh, start to uh, break down uh, the Errol spence Kell Brook fight and talk about some of the other fights that are on that card. Interesting one uh, for the Commonwealth heavyweight title. Uh, one of the guys isn't even from the UK, so uh, interesting there. Uh, and then Friday, uh, don't forget that we will uh, uh, be giving you our 100% breakdowns and predictions. Dax will join and give us his. Uh, so we got... Uh, a busy week coming up uh, as we uh, close out the week. And to answer everyone's question, no, we are not doing a post-fight show, Kell Brook against um, uh, Errol Spence Jr. Now, the reason we're not doing a post-fight show, because we have promised that we're doing all post-fight shows uh, for the major fights. The reason is that this one is another fight that's on early. It's on at 5 p.m. And we found that a lot of you are not especially on the weekends during the summer are not watching the fight live that you're going and even dvr in it or watching it later and uh, we find that we get uh, a bigger and uh, more interactive audience when the fights are on later so that's the only reason other than that it is a good fight but we will be doing our post fight show on monday uh, about that fight so uh anyway uh i will uh, tell you guys this make sure you tune in tomorrow morning, same bad time, same bad channel. Uh, until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.